You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34, the Bible says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? He asked for one, right? Which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. But then he goes on and he says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus plainly said that to love God is the great and first commandment. But then he said that the second one that he lists is like it. In other words, they're one and the same. I mean, you cannot love God and not love your neighbor. John plainly says that. The way we carry out our love for God is by loving our neighbors who he created and who he, who he loves. You know, one reason I love this church is because you've loved my boys. You know, when we sent our boys from China, that's not always easy. They're on the other side of the world and they have their problems. They're human beings and, you know, we worry about them. And, you know, we can't just run over to the house and talk. But you love my boys and therefore I love you. Now, people who hate my boys, oh, it's really hard for me to still love them. I'm commanded to do so, but that's hard. But the way we show God love to him is by loving each other. All right? And so uh, that's, that's why they're tied together there. All right? This week, we want to basically, like Craig already mentioned, he gave a good introduction for, for us here. Uh, we're not, our goal is not to guilt you and put a burden on you so that you'll be more part of the Great Commission. We really want to set you free so that you'll want to be part of the Great Commission because it's a great thing. It's God's mission, and that's what I'm going to show you. And God wants us all, all of us, to be a part of it. All right? Uh, without obedience to the great commandment of love, everything that we do in an attempt to obey the Great Commission is nothing. And we're going to see that in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, which says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I stand up here before you and give you the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, I took this, you take this little card, you sell your house, sell your car, sell your children, give it all away. And then... You deliver up your body to be burned. You go, you say, okay, I'm not only give all my earthly possessions, I'm going to get on an airplane and I'm going to fly to Iran and I'm going to stand there and preach the gospel till they stone me to death. God says you're nothing. You don't gain the thing if you don't have love. So everything is based on love. Why is that? Because God is love. God 
is love. That's what it's all about. Everything is all about that, all right? God created us to have a special relationship with him. And I'm gonna, we're going to go back to the very beginning, and I'm going to try and move through it quickly because there's really stuff I want to get to at the end, all right? But in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. Don't you believe science teachers that tell you we're just animals? We're not. We're created in the image of God. In all of his creation, we are special. You are special. You are an image bearer of God Almighty. Don't forget that. You are somebody. Sometimes we don't act like somebody because we don't know we're somebody. All right? But then it goes on. It says, and God blessed them. God created us in his image and blessed us. And then it goes on. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God loves these humans so much that he created that he said, go out and multiply. Fill the earth up with yourselves. I want to have, I want to have relationship with all of you. I want to have an earth full of people that I can love and they can love me. And then he goes on and he tells us that everything he created in the first five days was for us. He says, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, fruit, you shall have them for food. God's plan was to give us the whole earth for our benefit. And then in Genesis 1.31, after God had created man, he said something a little different than after he had created everything else. Five times before this, because this was the end of the sixth day, five times before this, God looked at what he created that day and said, and it's good. After he created us, he says, behold, it is very good. God was excited about you when you were born. God was excited about you when he created you. You're not just an animal. You're not just a plant. You're not just part of nature. You're his image. And he loves you. After God created us, he said it's very good. And then in Genesis 2.16, sometimes the Chinese will ask us, why would, because they're really, most of them are familiar with the story of Adam and Eve. They would say, but why would God, if he loved us and he didn't want sin to come into the world, why would he create the tree? Well, it's because he wants love. And to have love, there's got to be a choice. If you just create a little machine, a little robot that says, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, hallelujah, praise God. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, I love my wife. But you know what's great about it is she chose to love me. That's so cool. I I could probably buy, in China, they got robots all over the place they're building. At the airport, they're selling little robots. I could buy a little robot and program it to say, I love you, Kevin. I love you, Kevin. But that won't replace her. That that, that would just be mechanical. It's nothing. Because it has no choice. So God wanted real love, so he had to give us a choice. But he made it an easy choice. 
He created the whole world full of beautiful fruits and vegetables that we could eat. All of it was ours. He just said, but I'm going to give you a choice. There's one here that I'm telling you not to touch. And if you touch it, you'll die. There's only one. Can you imagine? You know, we've had the Ten Commandments, and then we had all the laws piled on top of that. Now our, our countries are full of law books, libraries full of laws. At that time in the world, there was one law. Don't touch the tree. Actually, not don't touch. Don't eat the fruit of the tree. That's what Satan said, so I don't want to be quoting Satan here. <laughs> all right. Don't, don't eat from that tree. One law. One. One. Easy, right? They couldn't keep it. They made a choice because they, that Satan tempted them. Yeah, you know, you could be like God. And that they fell for that. And unfortunately, that caused death because God is life and God cannot sin. So it causes separation. And unfortunately, that separates us from love. But God created that tree so that we would have a choice to make. All right, Genesis 3 and verse 8. This is after they, they sinned. They went and hid themselves. And I think this is interesting. God knew what they did. God wasn't, he wasn't looking for them because he didn't know what they'd done. But he comes down to the garden and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? From that time on, God's been seeking us. He created us to have a relationship with us. And the Great Commission actually started right then. God started, but great thing is before he even created them he knew what they were going to do and he already made a plan for it because he's so full of love but from that time on god started his mission of redeeming us and pulling us back and you can see that even even in the in genesis 3 and verse 15 here he's cursing the snake he's cursing the serpent who's satan and he says to him i will put enmity between you satan and the woman And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who was going to one day come through Eve's line and then eventually through Noah's line and then eventually through Abraham's line to to Israel, through David's line, but Jesus Christ. From the very beginning, as he's cursing them for their sin, he's still giving them a promise. But it's not the end. Thank God it's not the end. His whole goal, though, from the very beginning is to redeem us and bring us back. All right. Isaiah 43, 6. This is the great commission in the Old Testament. He said, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God's been seeking the, the lost since Adam and Eve. And he chose Noah and his family. When the earth got so corrupted that there was not going to be anybody that believed him anymore. He said, before it's too late, I'm going to call out. I'm going to choose Noah and his family. I'm going to destroy everybody else. We're going to start again. And when he, they came off the boat, what did he tell them? Same thing he told Adam and Eve. Go forth and multiply. Let's try it again. Then later he calls, he calls Abraham. 
And he calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I'm going to bless the earth through your seed. I'm going to send a savior through your seed. And the whole earth is going to be blessed. So he called him and said, go and multiply into a nation. Now, after Jesus has come, died for our sin, risen again, he's alive. Now he's chosen a church. And now he's given us a commission to go out and multiply. Same commission that it's been since Adam and Eve. It's God's mission. It's not just a New Testament thing. It's an eternal thing. God wants us because he loves us in spite of our turning our backs on him. He's chosen his church. The Great Commission is God's mission from the beginning of time, and it's based on his love for us. We cannot disconnect the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, and we cannot get them out of order. That's why we don't want to come out here and just say, you know what, half you people need to go somewhere as a missionary. You need to do it. People are dying and going to hell. What's the matter with you, you selfish brats? Get out! Go! Don't you love God? And maybe some of you would go out of guilt, but you're not going to stay. You're not going to reach people because you're not doing it because you love somebody. We can get up here and say, give your stinking money, you stinking selfish America. How big is your stinking TV? (laughs) Sell your TV. Give it to me. (laughs) I got a huge TV. (laughs) But I use it for the ministry. <laughs> no, seriously, we don't have a screen up there. We have a big TV and we use it in our house church. But, but uh, I just had to clarify that I'm really a good Christian. All right. All right. All right. And the Great Commission flows out of the Great Commandment. If we could just learn to love, the Great Commission's easy. When we skip that part, we're never going to get it done, it's not going to last. Like Craig mentioned, I'm not, Craig, Craig said he went to China because God seemed to be leading him that way. He trusted, not because he had a great burden for the Chinese. I didn't have a great burden for the Chinese. I didn't even know any Chinese. I knew Koreans. My mother-in-law's Japanese. Um, I had uh, uh, my sister's Thai. But God called me to China. I didn't go to China because I love Chinese people. I went to China because I love God. And I just wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do. And it wasn't hard. You know, people come up and say, thank you for your sacrifice, brother. Thank you for giving your life. No, it's not a sacrifice to let God love on you and do something good. There's no greater joy than to be in the will of God doing what he made you to do. I don't care whether it's here in Hot Springs. I don't care if it's, God forbid, New York City. It doesn't matter where you go. The best place to be, I always taught my boys, I don't care if you go to college and leave here and God calls you to go to Africa. Oh, I'll be praying for you. Because, oh, God, please don't send me to Africa. All right, Africa's tough. All right? But I'm probably going to have to go to Africa now because I opened up my mouth. All right? But if God sends you to Africa, and you're in Africa, I'm in China, and we never even cross paths the rest of our lives, you know what? I'm going to be happy if you're doing what God wants you to do. Because I love you, and I know you're going to be happiest doing what he made you to do. And there's no, it's not a sacrifice to let somebody love on you and give you a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. 
But the Great Commission just flows out of the Great Commandment. And i got to move quickly here because I'm taking longer than I did last time. But we got a great problem. And our great problem is that God is love, but we are not. He's commanded us to love, but to tell you the truth, you don't have it in you. If you have any capacity to love, it's only because you've received love from somebody. And all of the source of all of it comes from God. That's why hell's going to be so bad. God's not there. God is light. So what is it in hell? Dark. God is joy. So what is it in hell? The opposite. God is love. So what is it in hell? Hate. I mean, that's, the re- that's the only reason hell's bad is God's not there. The reason we have problems on this earth and it's no longer perfect is because God has had to separate himself to some extent. But he still loves us so much that he still leaves people here that he can love you through. All right? But God is love, but we are not. We cannot make ourselves love others. You ever tried to do that? You just can't do it. You know, you can kind of fake it on the outside and do some stuff, but it's hard. God said do it from your heart. And that's, that's, really, that's really pushing it, God. But, but he, does, he knows we can't do it because we've sinned and separated ourselves from God and his love. In a state of separation from God, we cannot love the way we are commanded to because he alone is the source of all love. The only way we can love is to receive it and give it. So really, I'm not even here to tell you, love people. I'm here to tell you, receive God's love. Receive it. Now, I won't just leave it at that because a lot of people say, how do I do that? So we'll, get, we'll talk about that in a little bit, okay? All right, that's what we're going to get to next. Here's the good news. God's great news, the gospel, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, what did he do? That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God's great news is the gospel. The great news is that God's love reached down to us in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and paid the price to redeem us and restore a loving relationship with God. John 15, 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. There's no greater love than the love of Jesus. And then finally, if we receive this act of love from Jesus, we then become capable of really loving. You know, we can kind of fake it sometimes and do it for a little while. So it at least looks like love, but to really love because we want to, because love, remember, is a choice. We choose to love because we want to. That's what makes it love. All right? John, 1 John four nineteen, The Bible says, here it is, we love because he first loved us. Nobody loved God first. Nobody loved anybody first. If you have any capacity to love, it's only because somehow the love of God has gotten through some people to you. All right? So how do we receive God's love? Go back to the verse here. First thing we see here in in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's got to be too easy. (laughs) You know, it's easier, though, for people to do something. When people just say, it's it's so easy that sometimes adults think it's got to be more to it than that. But all you have to do is believe that God still loves you. In spite of who you are, in spite of all your sin, in spite of all this, the, the, the things you've messed up, God still loves you. 
All you got to do is believe that and receive the love by faith that he wants to, that he wants to give to you. Then over in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, in Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he preached this sermon to these people about Jesus Christ. And at the end of the sermon, they knew that they were separated from God and they needed something. So they said, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy, Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. All right? So the next thing is Repent. Now, repenting is what we naturally do if we believe that we're sinners. We believe that uh, we've done wrong and that we're separated from God. But then we believe that he loved us and came down to pay for that sin. What we naturally do if we believe that is turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ. And say, Jesus, here's what you do. You become transparent before God. And you say, I'm not trying to, you know, it's really stupid that we try and hide it anyway. God knows what we are, but he, he wants us to come and just be transparent before him and say, I am a sinner. I know I've let you down. And you can, you can list off the things you, if you want, but even if you list off everything you can think of, it's not half of what you've done. Just come to him and be open. You don't have to list every single thing. You, you won't even know all the things. But admit what you are. Admit that you've let him down. And say, but I want you, and I want that relationship again. You believe that he, he loves you? You believe that he'll do it because he promised it? Turn to him and, and, and be open? But, you know, if you come to him proud and you don't open up, still nothing there. To receive the love, you got to open up. And remember that, because I'm going to talk to you about how to do that practically. Okay? So turn away from your sin to the righteousness and the love of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, be baptized. What is that? What's that mean? Obey. Submit to the love of the Father. How do you submit to the love of the Father? Do what he wants you to do. Do you believe that he is love? Do you believe that he loves you? If you believe that, you're going to do what he wants. You know, it's stupid. You know, I, I tell people, it's, I, I'm not a Christian and I'm not going to heaven because I'm good and because I'm obedient. I'm obedient because I am a Christian. He loves me. I believe that. So sometimes, I, I mean, even going to China, you know, when we went to China, if I, I sat down and looked at our budget, because her mother was still living in the house that we were paying for in the States. And I knew what we were getting paid. And what we we're getting paid is about how much money we owed in the States every month without eating over there. But I knew God wanted me to go. In fact, our pastor even asked us, are you going to be all right financially? I said, yes. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, God wants me to go. He's going to take care of it. And you know, for six months, every single month, I'd go online, pay our bills, we'd be empty. And somehow, some way, God provided. One time, I got this check. I got a check that was deposited from an insurance company that I had like 12 or 13 years before. There'd been this class action lawsuit. I didn't even know about it. And I had a check deposited in my account. Another month, I had $2,500. I went to my box and there's a, a, a mailbox from, uh, I mean, it's a mail from Nebraska. I'd never even been to Nebraska. I opened it up. There's a $2,500 check in there. And it, unfortunately, there was a young man who had been planning to come as a missionary to China and he had gotten killed. And so his parents wanted to give something to somebody in China. So they went to their pastor and their pastor said, I, 
I don't know anybody. Oh, yeah, Kevin Connor. I used to go to the soul winning clinic in Longview. I think he's in China now. Give it to him. But, man, we needed it. You know, though, my mother-in-law decided to move into the house. She didn't like living alone. I didn't think she would for long, but she, you know, we didn't want to kick her out of the house when we left. So she decided she wanted to move in with my wife's sister. So we sold the house, sold it in less than a month, and all that stuff stopped because we didn't need it anymore. God will take care of you. He loves you. He'll provide. He loves you. So just be obedient. And baptism is the very first step of saying, I'm submitting to your love. And when we don't submit to the love of Jesus Christ, we miss out on all the blessings of his love. And we become independent. And I was with a man this summer, and he was talking about the orphan heart. When we don't submit to God's love, we become independent and we refuse the love from people too. You know, if... It, most foster kids, you know, if they've been raised in homes and haven't had, uh, haven't had a father's love, it's really hard for them to receive love. And you become, they become really independent. And when people sincerely want to love them and help them, they're like, I have an uncle that had a bunch of foster kids that he ended up adopting, almost all of them. But those kids have had some real hard times because they couldn't submit to a father's love. The father wants to love you. Do what he says. It's for your good because he loves you. All right, I got to move ahead. I'm, I'm taking too long here. All right. All right. So, how do we receive God's love? First of all, we believe in him and what he did to show his love. Secondly, we repent. We become transparent before God. Don't, don't hide what you are. He knows what you are anyway. Obey by faith, obey believing. That, that he's, he's got your best uh, interest at heart, all right? Next, Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Let me grab this for a second. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice there it says the fruit of the Spirit. This is all one package, and it all comes with love. I told him this morning, I don't have time to go into it, but you t- just on your own, go to 1 Corinthians 13 and look at the characteristics of love and then put Galatians 5, 22 and 23 next to it. It's the same thing. All that stuff, it's what comes with love. Joy and peace and patience and kindness. When you have love, you can put up with anything. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I told him this morning, that's the only woman I've ever been with. Why? Because I love her. And I don't have to force myself. Before I ever married her, I knew there was going to be somebody. I mean, I used to work up in North Dakota in the oil fields, and every night we come home and there's prostitutes at our front door. But it didn't even appeal to me because I love God. And I knew someday there was going to be somebody that I wanted to give my love to and that I wanted love from. Self-control is easy when you got love. It's not something you have to force yourself to do. All right? Against such things, there is no law. So love is the fruit of the Spirit of God. Next, 1 John four sixteen. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. See, there it is. Believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So after believing and repenting, we must remain or abide in the love of God. Here's what a lot of us think. Is that we come out, oh God, God, I 
I know I'm a sinner. And we do everything we're supposed to do here. We say, oh, God, I want your love. I need you. I need you. God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Save me. Then we get up and we walk away and forget all about it. And we go and, and then we try and, well, well, well now I got to please God so, so that he'll keep loving me. No, no, he already loved you before you even came to him. You don't have to do anything to get him to save you. You don't have to do anything to keep his love. But when you have his love, you're going to want to please him. You, you understand the difference? It's not like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to go to church and God's going to be mad at me. No. You ought to want to go to church because that's where you get the love of God with all these people filled with the love of God. Oh, I got to give offerings. Oh, I better do. Oh, man, our budget. Oh, no. You give to people you love. And you get filled with love. And, and it's, not, it's not a burden. But how do you, you know what, though? You run out of love because you're not if you don't keep receiving it. So how do you keep receiving it? The same way you got it. You believe and you repent. Believe, repent, and obey. And the obedience is not of the burden obedience. It's the natural result of believing and repenting. You understand what I'm saying? It's something that just happens when you do the first two. Because when you're believing in God's love and you're receiving it, and then you're opening yourself up, to what you really are, and he still loves you. That's when you feel love. You know, if I come up here and I tell you, you know, we had a million baptized last year. That's a lie. And we have 100,000 house churches that we've started. It's another lie. But I, I, I tell you all these lies, put up this front, and then everybody says, Whoa, we love Brother Kevin! Yeah, we love Kevin! Whoa, he's a great missionary! But it was all a lie. You know what? I'm going to walk away not really feeling much from your applause. Because all you did was love my mask. It's all fake. You don't really love me. Because that's not me that you're seeing. Uh, and so, uh, what, but when you open up to somebody... Maybe I shouldn't even mention it. But I heard that the basketball team got together the other night. And I didn't hear any of the details of it, but I heard the basketball team got together the other night. And they just opened up to each other. And I wasn't there. But I guarantee when they opened up to each other and started telling about their hurts and about their pain, I guarantee they felt a lot closer to each other when they left. I guarantee it. I wasn't there. But that's what happens. Because you're showing everybody what you really are, and they're still accepting you. That and you feel love. When you try and put on a front and fake, you come to church and you, you know, you're yelling in the car on the way here, and then you get out of the car and you smile and you, and you get out, and you put on that front, and everybody says, "Hey, brother, how you doing?" Everybody smiling, then you get back in the car, go home, and yell and beat your wife. You don't feel love because that's not you. All right, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. All right, but as we, <clears throat> as we love others with the love that we have received from God, we begin to run dry. Abiding in love is how we abide in God. You know, for a long time, I even started preaching out of John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 a lot at our church about abiding. We've got to abide. In, but actually, I couldn't even grab hold of how do I do that? I know I've got to have my mind on Christ and I've got to be living in him. But how do I, it's abiding in his love. That's what it says right here. 
that when we, we abide in God's love, we're abiding in him. All right? It's, it's constantly remembering his love for us, meditating on it, uh, reading about it, looking at things he does and recognizing that is love. All right? Um, so how do we abide in God's love or continue to receive God's love? I just told you some of those things. Oops. All right. First <laughs> John four sixteen. So we have, to, we have come to know and to believe that God, the love that God has for us, is, we believe just like we did at the beginning, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Then 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are... I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses right now in this time of my life. Beloved, we are God's children now. I've been a Christian since I was a little boy. And I knew theologically that I was God's child. But I also knew how flawed I was. And a lot of times I didn't feel like God's child because I knew my flaws. But God said, no, no, you're 100% my child right now. Right now. Not when I come back, not when you get to heaven. Right now you are 100% my child. And I know how much I love my children. And God is love. That's great love he has for us. All right, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. It is going to get better, though. Thank God for that hope. And the more we believe it, by the way, the more it starts to get better before we even get to heaven. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. When we see him face to face, all of a sudden we're going to realize that's what we need to be. And then we're just going to be like him. That's what it says right here. Because we shall see him as he is. So you know what I've been wanting, what I pray, I pull this verse out and quote it every day. Because when I read my Bible, when I'm praying, I want Jesus to reveal himself to me now. I want to see more of him now. Because the more I see of Jesus now and what his character is and who he really is and see his glory, the more I want to be like that. Because that's how it's all going to end up anyway. So that's how you can improve your sanctification. It's just be looking for Jesus when you read. Don't be reading your Bible. What do I have to do? Read your Bible out. Where's Jesus in here? What can I learn about Jesus as I read this? What do I know about Jesus, what he likes and what he doesn't like? All right? But uh, because the more you see him, the more you'll become like him. And I, 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 I read this illustration of a caterpillar. If you take a little tiny piece of a caterpillar and cut it up, so that uh, you take it to a scientist, he can't even tell what it is, but he does a DNA test. You know what he's going to think it is? A butterfly. You know why? Because a butterfly's DNA is 100% caterpillar DNA. They're the same thing. They just don't look the same way. And I don't look like I'm going to look, praise the Lord. I'm I'm a chubby little caterpillar right now. But really, I'm a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> and when I was thinking of that illustration, I, I just had to show this video. I've got grandkids, and so we watch A Bug's Life and stuff. And how many of you remember Heimlich and the Bug's Life? Yeah, if you got kids, you had to have seen this. All right, I think we have a video up here. Real quick here. All right, that's me. I played that part in that movie. 
But that's the truth. I mean, you know what, though? Heimlich believes he's a beautiful butterfly. And you need to believe you are a child of God now. You are loved by God now. All right? And then uh, let's move on here. Uh, Well, there's my video. Okay, let's look at these points real quickly to summarize. So how do we abide in God's love or continue to receive God's love? By continuing to believe his word. By meditating on his love, promises, and goodness. By submitting to the Father's love through verbal praise, especially in the midst of trials and trouble. That's important because that is, that's acting out your belief. God, this hurts, but I know you love me. Say it out loud and praise him. You know what? You're going to start to feel your spirit change as you're receiving the love of God. Praise God in the trials and troubles. That's a way to receive his love. James 5.16, this is important. And this is one of the main things I want you to get out of this because this is a practical way that you can receive God's love. James 5.16, the Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. For a long time, I wondered, for years I wondered, why do I confess my sins to somebody else? Does this mean I'm supposed to be a Catholic and go to the priest? No, but there is something about confessing what what you are to somebody else. Remember, how do we get God's love? We open up and we're transparent, right? Well, you know, a practical way to do that. See, you can do that to the sky sometimes and you feel like God's not even there. But you go to a living human being with God living in them and you you be transparent Admit, this does not mean you have to sit down and list every sin you've ever committed to somebody. But don't, don't carry the burden of being fake and trying to impress people. Just live in the love of God. And, and let me give you a couple of things. Take the mask off. Uh, this is like repentance before God. You must first do this with God to be grounded and secure in his love because you are exposing yourself to be hurt by some people. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm warning you, when you open up to some people, they're going to go to somebody else and say, do you know what they did? So be wise about who you open up to. But you know how you can be secure enough that you can have the, 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 the boldness to open up to somebody? is to already know who you are in God. Then you'll be willing to take a chance with some people and then you'll be able to feel some real love. And that's why we, we really promote, I really love that we're forced to be in house churches in China because we have little tiny groups of people and it's intimate and we just talk and we can be who we are. We tell people what we're feeling, what, how we're hurting. And you can be filled with the love of God that way. You know, I, now don't get me wrong. I love the opportunity to come to a big service like this and worship with God's people and have a band. And, and we even had a little band in our house church sometimes, you know, but just because we miss it. But there's nothing like being part of a body of believers that you can be honest with and receive their love as you open up to them. Then, you know what? The more you do those things, the more you believe God's love, the more you're open to God, the more you're open to others. You know what? I just, I, when I, God first called me into, to, to go into the ministry, I was in engineering school, and I was the biggest introvert in the world. The first time I ever spoke, spoke in school, I passed out. God called me to go into ministry to work with people, and I didn't like people. People, I'm scared of people. And I went into Bible college, and, and our college president got up and said, you know what? Yeah, I, 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 he called my name and said I had to preach for three whole minutes. I'm doing a little better than that today. But for three whole minutes, and I thought, 
I can't do three minutes in front of everybody else. And I went down to the dean's office and told him I can't do it. And he said, you're going to do it. And I was scared to death. I had a whole week to prepare a three-minute sermon, and I couldn't do it. The morning I was supposed to preach in College Chapel for three minutes, three whole minutes. I was in the breakfast line, and Bonnie Whedon was telling us what she got out of her Bible this morning. I said, that's good. Tell me that again. And I wrote it down in my Bible, and I preached her sermon, but I didn't even preach it. I just read it, and she could have done ten times better than I did. But you know why I was so scared of people? Because I wasn't secure in how much God loved me. And I was afraid if I get up here in front of people, they're going to see who I am. They're not going to like it. But you know what? When I started to understand God loves me, I preached to 5,000 people now, and it didn't bother me. Because I know who loves me. And he loves you. But you know, the more I can open up to other people too, the more I get filled with God's love. And here's the point of all of this. The Great Commission flows out of the love of God. It comes from the heart of God, which is love. From the very beginning, he's been seeking those which are lost. And he wants to use us, his people, to do that. The only way you're going to have the power, you know where the power of the gospel comes from? The love of the gospel. That's what everybody's got a hole they're looking for. But if you'll learn to receive that love, it won't be hard to give it. It won't be hard to give yourself to whatever God wants you to do. It won't be hard to give the things that God has given you back to him. However much it's supposed to be. If you'll just receive his love. Ah, let me move ahead quickly here. All right. We can obey the great commandment. When we can obey the great commandment, the great commission becomes easy. What we want you to do this week is learn to rest in the love of God. Craig's going to talk to you a little bit of, uh, tomorrow night about identity. He's got some other things he's going to give you tonight. We're going to present some of our work to, tonight that we're doing. But in the end, I think Craig's going to give us some things that will be more practical things. And we're hoping that this week we can help you to live by the gospel that saved you. Because when you do that, the Great Commission is just a natural thing to do. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to force yourself. And there's joy and freedom and peace. I can't tell you how good it is. Some of you may already know about that. But I want everybody in this church to be filled with the love of God. And it just pours out that this city and this state sees Jesus and his people. That's the Great Commission. The love of God seeking after man. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we cannot even fathom the depths of your love. Thank you for the little bit, the glimpses you give us, give us of it. Father, I'm I'm a father, and I cannot imagine willingly sending one of the four sons that you've given me on purpose to die for the sake of somebody else's life. I know that there's young men that go off to war and die, but to intentionally know what's going to happen and still send your son, that's an amazing thing, Father. And I thank you for that love. And I pray you continue to teach me to believe, to, 
be transparent and open before you and others. Ask for help when I need help. That I might be able to receive the love and be filled with your love to such an extent that it just pours out all over everybody that I'm around. That they might be able to see Jesus Christ, our wonderful Savior. And that they might be drawn to him, that he might be high and lifted up. And that people might be drawn here in Hot Springs, in Arkansas, the United States, around the world. Because we've received the love that you have for us. Thank you so much for reaching down to us. I pray that if there's anybody here right now that has not ever come forward and believed what you've done for them. And trusted you to save them. And repented and opened up their hearts to you. I pray that they would do that today. I pray for those believers here who have come to you and they they believe the gospel and they've been born again by the gospel, but they're not living by the gospel. I pray that you would teach all of us to live by the gospel, the good news of your love. Bless these things in Jesus' name.